Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. BuiltBar.com. It's what I have for breakfast every day. Uh, I tried the new, uh, they've done a complete new redesign, brand new taste, even just a brand new texture. I am really enjoying the new product. Uh, I picked up the mixed box, and it's hard to say which one I like the best so far. Go check it out for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON. It's the code I used when I made my order, and check it out. This is a product I use every day. It's something that I love. See for yourself using that promo code locked on and saving yourself 10% off your first order. Billbar.com, promo code locked on. So today's show is another special one. Maybe this is going to become a Monday thing. Uh, we have another great guest on the show today, uh, Matt Bretz, who I feel like I could talk about, you know, I've talked about Ohio versus everyone with you uh, in particular to the fan base out there who's listening to the show. But you've uh, you've made your way through many a website through the years. Uh, why don't I just kind of you know leave it up to you? You can uh, talk about you know where you're writing now, where people can find you online. We're gonna have kind of a free flow conversation today about all things Indians. But I'm just gonna flip the the mic as it were over to Matt to let people know where to find him and where all of his stuff is currently uh, located. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've uh, been on a couple sites uh, lately. It's been uh, Ohio versus everyone, as you uh, just mentioned. That's uh, my primary spot I'll be writing from now on, it sounds like. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Matt B underscore W-O-F. Uh, I'm on there all the time, as I'm sure anybody that recognizes my name will know. But uh, yeah, those are probably the two best spots to reach me right now. I, uh, you know, Ohio versus everyone's been one of our sponsors. And uh, I'll say that like, when I talk about the site, I always mention you because I, I, you're one of those people, I, I think this is our first time talking, but I feel like I've known you for a decade. And I always tell people that uh, what stands out when I think of you and talk about you is your deep knowledge of the history of the Indians. I think that's one of those things that some people don't have as well. And uh, there's a lot of times you'll say something, I'm like, oh man, I didn't even know that. So just something uh, I wanted to comment here. I think it's a, a great attribute you bring to your writing and just the Twitter in general. Thanks. Okay, so like I said, it's a, we are going to do a free flow here, talk about some things. Uh, it is still all of us in the recovery period from the Indians game. Uh, Matt and I were both complaining about the strike zone before we, uh, we got on the air here uh, and talking about uh, what was going on with that. And it led me to, to be like, hey, we should talk about the catcher situation. Uh, I thought Roberto Perez's $5.5 million option was uh, a bit of a no-brainer. That's not much money. And I, Perez, I was not, I don't know if he was even fully healthy this season. We know he was not fully healthy last season. Uh, the offensive numbers a year ago were solid. This year, obviously, was an issue. But uh, Matt, what do you think with Perez? Is, are, if you are running this team, do you pick up that option? Or do you think Leon and Hedges? I th I'm with you. I thought it was a no brainer until I started seeing other people suggest that it could be, uh, I get it. That would make him, I believe one of the highest paid players on the team, like top, they might make him the third highest paid player, depending how arbitration goes and who's still around. But I, I don't see, I mean, they, they love him. I mean, they've loved his catching. They got rid of Gomes because of how much they loved him. And like you said, he was injured to start the year. So I don't think you can take away any of his numbers. Uh, he was a three-win player by baseball uh, prospectus, which, you know, factors in um, all the different catching, like the uh, blocking, throwing, pitch framing. I, I think Hedges and 
Perez is their combo. I think if you factor in, that might be an eight or $9 million. Cause I think Hedges is arbitration eligible. So I guess I kind of get it, but I, I would be sh- pretty shocked if they declined Perez's option, unless they had something in their back pocket where they're going to decline it and bring them back cheaper. But I would still be pretty surprised if they declined it, honestly. And with as bad as like the get- catch position is, doesn't it feel like you could decline it for 5.5 and he might get that in free agency just from a team that values defense and thinks he can rebound. Like it's not an obscene amount of money. Exactly. And even if he doesn't get exactly that, it's like, what, what are you going to save? Like maybe a million dollars. It's just, it seems more of a risk to even go down unless you had this handshake agreement before you declined it behind closed doors, which I mean, five, like we said, 5 million is not a lot in today's game. I, even with everything going on, I, that seems like a no-brainer to me. They they gave uh, Sandy two million just to be a backup. The five point five doesn't seem, you know, that's what forty percent of that. If if that, I I I'm surprised by how much it came up. I don't know if there's any real heat or smoke to it, but uh, people are talking about it. That's for sure. But I think you and I are in agreement on that. Let's talk about some of the other options. Uh, Carlos Santana, I think. There is a 0% chance that option gets picked up. I think, you know, we'd all agree with that. Do you think there's a chance he comes back at his age and with what he did on a significantly cheaper contract? I do. Um, it might depend on what the Indians think because they have a couple options they could use at first base. None that I really would like, but it depends how low he'd willing to go. And potentially, is it just a one-year deal? I don't think they'd go beyond that have my doubts he'd get more than one year on the open market but i guess maybe somebody could give him like like that two year 16 million uh type of deal but if he's willing to go like i've always i keep saying online that the caesar hernandez deal like i think if he'd be willing to take something like that like six or seven million i I think he'd really could come back and i think it would fit and honestly given the year he had his age uh, i don't know if he could really do better especially given everything that's happened in the world I doubt spending is going to be that high. So I, I think he could. I don't know what odd number I'd put it at. I'd maybe say 40% right now if you made me pick a number. But I I think, like you said, it's definitely getting declined. I think even if he had a good year, it was getting declined just given the financial state of things. But, um, yeah, I think there's a chance he's coming back. I don't know how good of a chance, though. I uh, was looking at C.J. Cron's contract as you're talking because every single year he seems to get released. And he got 6.1 last year, which makes me wonder, like, I don't know why, and I don't have a good belief for this, but after Santana's struggles with power and some of the other things, it's like in my mind, I've had like 4.5 is like the target amount I would offer him uh, because of that first base market. I don't know if you could get him there, but I'd be willing to play hard ball with the, uh, the older first baseman who hit under, did he end up hitting under 200? I know average. Yeah, it was 199. He, yeah. he needed one more hit to do it and he didn't get it. It so. doesn't like matter in the grand scheme of things average. Like, I mean, it, it's a component. It's a small component on base is obviously more important, but when you're negotiating contracts, like it's the dumb things like that, especially in arbitration or uh, contract disputes that seem to come up. So I always think believe that, is, uh, his OPS was exactly, it was 699 also. So he, I think he just missed 700 there too. So like, yeah, both those numbers were just one click lower than what you, not that 700 is good, but just seeing that 699 is not going to look good for him when he's in free agency. I agree. Yeah. So I'm curious to see about that. The, I think the, the big debate is Brad hand. Now 
Uh, my general uh, view on Brad Hand is I still don't know how he was as successful as he was this past year. I need to really dig into the numbers and figure it out because uh, like an idiot, I thought he I pretty much left him for dead when the season began based on what we saw uh, during camp. And then he had such a strong year. Uh, what are the odds you think, A, they pick up his option, and then after, if they do pick it up, what are the odds that he is – uh, they pull a Kluber and trade him before the season even begins. Yeah, I think the right now, I mean, I could change this down the line, but I think the odds of him being with the Indians in 2021 are probably pretty low, like maybe in the 10 to 20% range. I, I would be a little surprised if they declined that. Like you like $10 million isn't cheap for anybody, but he was, I mean, if we had an all-star game, he would have been an all-star. I mean, he was, I mean, he could win the uh, relief pitcher of the year where I think it's him or Liam Hendricks and the AL are probably the top two candidates. So, I mean, he's got suitors and I think there's a team out there. I mean, everybody's going to be financially hit, but somebody's going to say 10 million isn't bad for what he can bring for one year. Even if you don't get a lot, you can flip them. I mean, Hey, if you pick it up and flip them, you saved your $1 million buyout on them. So a way it almost helps the Indians to do that. Um, Exactly. I guess they could just look at it and say, we don't want to risk it. I mean, I was still surprised to this day that the Indians didn't give Michael Brantley the uh, qualifying offer because they were afraid he might pick it up. So maybe they're just afraid of picking up this option and getting stuck with them. So they might just decline it and move on. That would surprise me. I think most likely they do pull a Kluber where they pick it up and look to move him. Uh, maybe I'm being too hard. Maybe there's a better chance he does stick around. Uh, that would make him, I believe, the second highest paid player, depending on the Lindor situation, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, I believe the only other person making more is Carrasco is at 12 million. Even Ramirez, I think, is only at nine. So would they want their closer to be the second highest paid player potentially on the team? I don't know. So that's one reason why I think he could be gone. Yeah, you mentioned it. I think, I, I don't know the how much the Indians put into it, but I do wonder about that whole idea of like, you're going to pay him no matter what. Either it's one million or it's 10. So there's... It, I know 9 million is a relatively large amount, especially for the Indians, but it's like, you're already going to pay him. Do you really want to pay a guy 1 million to go away when he is successful? And I feel like if Philadelphia uh, does not fire uh, Clintac, it's like, you might as well pick up hand because you know, Philadelphia is going to be dumb. You know, they're going to be heavy on that relief market and you'll get something like that's a situation. I'm kind of rooting for a lot of GMs to not be fired because I feel like we'll have some more desperation. You know, uh, if Epler is the only one that's fired, we're going to have a bunch of guys, uh, you know, the Mets and the Phillies and those hot seat guys who might go out and chase a hand just because, hey, he's got a long track record. And specifically, yeah, sorry there, specifically with relievers, that guy who's been good, at least good, doesn't have to be great, but has been solid good every single year. I mean, that's why I love Brian Shaw for so long. You know, reliability is almost harder to find than elite stuff in your relief pitchers. Yeah, and I know a lot of people always want to put uh, Krenicek back there and, like, say, oh, he's the closer, he's better. I kind of like the idea of just having that solid, steady guy back there that you can just always use in the ninth. Yeah, uh, they might have some better relievers back there. Let them pitch the seventh or eighth in these higher leverage situations. I mean, some guys just – they don't like pitching the ninth and they have a head thing. He gets the job done, obviously uh, Wednesday night, notwithstanding, but I mean, he's a good reliever and I, I would, I hope he's on the team next year. I think he's worth the money and he would make the team better, but I have my doubts. 
Yeah. And you know, I've talked about with Karen Chalk, it's uh he's he's a great, great player. He is very rigid in his behavior. And I worry about that in a closer situation. Uh so I agree. I think, you know, we you know where he's successful. I prefer him in that role. And it is fun to think about obviously after what Han did to picture next year with a, with class a Karen chalk in hand, uh, that could be the potentially the best back end of the Indians bullpen, maybe in my lifetime. Can you think of a, a more fearsome threesome at the back of an Indians pen? I mean, I think it's up there with the, the Allen Miller Shaw combo we saw. Yeah. But obviously there's a lot more youth there. So potentially those, uh, the two righties could be there for you have what five, six more years at least. So, yeah, that could be pretty devastating. Before we talk about Lindor and some of the other choices on this team, I just wanted to take a moment and talk about some of the fantastic uh, companies out there that are helping this podcast stay uh, on the air. Uh, let's start off by talking about Ohio vs. Everyone, which Matt is one of the great writers on. Uh, on the show, I've talked about the fact that I don't know what was more annoying in the Indians playoff games, watching them implode or reading the slants that were 90% about the Yankees, 10% about the Indians. If you're tired of reading uh, the articles at other places that are always seem to put Cleveland in the minority position, go check out Ohio vs. Everyone today. That is Ohio vs. Everyone. It's an Ohio-focused site, all your Ohio sports teams. You can go there. You can read great content. You're going to be able to get information on your teams. You go to read an article, it's not going to be focused on the other guys, and then just come back and mention the Indians, the Cavs, the Reds in passing. This is an Ohio-focused site for Ohio fans. Go check out Ohio vs. Everyone today. Go check out what Matt's writing over there uh, on the Indian side of things. Great site. Well with your time. Ohio vs. Everyone. Go check it out. And our other fantastic sponsor is Postmates. If you are like me, uh, a lazy Friday night is the perfect time to Postmates. Who wants to go out after working a whole week? Uh, who wants to deal with groceries or dinner? If you just want to give yourself a weekend, take some time off, stay in, download the Postmates app, use the promo code locked on, and you're going to get $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Take it, go crazy this weekend, get your groceries get uh, something from the local store, from around the corner, everything you need. Just open the app. You'll see everything that's available to be brought to your door. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Post made it. Take a weekend off on Locked On. Download the Postmates app using that promo code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with the code Locked On. Okay, so the big elephant in the room is Francisco Lindor. So the first question with Lindor is obviously, uh, do you think, what is the percentage chance? Or even, you know, high chance, low chance? Or if you want to say 10%, 5%, what is the chance that he's actually with this team when the season starts? Uh, I'd say very low in that 5 to 10 range, I think. I think the only way this happens is if I think they're going to aggressively try to trade him. I know a lot of times we always hear, Oh, we're not actively shopping this guy. I think the Indians actually will actively shop him, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, unless the market just gets really tight. Cause everybody's worried about the whole COVID and everything. 
and they literally just can't get anything that they think is even remotely close to it, I, I think he's gone, which pains me to say so much because I've been so high on this guy since the day they drafted him. But I think the odds are very low at this point. And I think some of those comments we heard, I, I think there's just – it's getting to that point where – I mean, we had it with uh, Kluber where we had talks of it. And then a year later, he was traded with Bauer. We had talks one winter, and then that summer he was traded. Clevenger, there was rumors this winter, then the summer he was traded. We had the rumors last year, and I think uh, 12 months later, I'm not sure he can last another winter through these rumors without actually being traded. In some regards, I'm kind of surprised he's still in Cleveland, I'll be honest. I, I thought they would you know, almost consider trying to maximize uh, last offseason. It or makes even you wonder if you had a full 162-game season this year if – this July could have been the swan song. Uh, but I think with the shortened season, everything was so hectic that I, th- I think that could have been one of the reasons he stuck around. I'm with you. I think it was a very realistic chance he was dealt already. If things had been more normal. Uh, you know, it's one of those things too. Like I would love to have him in Cleveland. I don't know how I feel about the Indians heading into next year. I kind of have to see what they're going to do with the team. And uh <laughs> terrified of the thought of cutting even more payroll. But when you have this situation with him, if you are like, I think it's still logical, right? Like it's when you've seen what like Machado went for when he was traded at the deadline or you Darvish at the deadline, uh, there's still significant, oddly significantly more value. It feels like at least, you know, tell me if I'm right or wrong in this when a team can A, get the full season, and B, still get recoup a draft pick uh, for a player by trading Lindor now as opposed to July. It seems like if they don't trade him before the season starts, then it might not be worth trading him at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, unless something crazy happens, because like the CBA obviously expires, I believe, next December, unless they get together and hash out some new rules or something before the Indians do trade them and say, Oh, even if you trade them during the season, you could still get a pick or if maybe they completely change how that works and you'll get a pick no matter what, if you have them and lose them. But with the way things are set up now, which I would assume are the way things are going to be, I kind of agree. It'd be hard pressed to see. I mean, unless the Indians are just so far out of it, if they kept them in the deadline and then they know there's just get something, uh, I would, I'd be shot. I think it's either you trade them, by January or he's here till October. And this leads to the inevitable question. Uh, what do you think? What are the top three teams if you're placing odds right now uh, for Lindor? Is it someone crazy out of left field? Uh, I can give my three. Do you want me to go before or after you give your three? Uh, you can go first if you want. Okay. I, you know, I was looking through things the other day and my, three that I thought made the most sense. Uh, Florida, not Florida, sorry. They're always going to be Florida. Miami Marlins, uh, I thought, were one of those teams up there. Uh, Philadelphia, again, if Clintac stays, is they're going to be all in on buying and uh, going to be down a shortstop. And then uh, the New York Mets is another hot seat GM who aren't well-defined at short and have a, a ton of odd bats that they could conceivably uh, entice the Indians with. So the Mets just might be my pipe dream. I've been trying to work trades with the Mets for the past year in the podcast in various forms. 
Yeah, I think you're one of the only people that probably has tried to treat the Mets more than me because I'm the same way. There's so many. It's just you look at those teams, and it's like they have so many bats I want and Don not Smith enough positions, it so seems like. right now. Yeah. So, and especially if there's no – I mean, I guess some of this could depend on is there a DH next year because that could mm-hmm. change out things because then they can have more. But I'm assuming there will not be a DH next year. Maybe I'm being dumb there. But, yeah, the Mets were one team I always thought too. Uh, I still think the Dodgers, to me, they don't need him at all. Agreed. I don't think they needed Mookie Betts at all. So I think that they could just go out and say, hey, we're going to – Justin Turner's probably going to be gone, I would assume. Uh, they could slide Seager over to third base. Uh, they have – so many of their guys can move positions. Muncie can play multiple spots. Uh, Lux can play different positions up the middle. I, they can move guys around. So they could get – and I think they're one of the few teams that could trade for Lindor and then get him to sign because they have the money to do whatever – and as much as I absolutely hate it, I still think the Yankees make sense. I mean, it might depend on DJ LeMahieu. Uh, to me, I would probably go after him if I were them and then see about signing Lindor in free agency. But if they were to lose LeMahieu, uh, they could move Torres back over to second base. And I think they could make the splash. The Indians have obviously talked to them a lot about – I'm sure there were talks about Clevenger, and I'm sure they've had talks about Lindor. Uh, so the Mets – Dodgers and Yankees, I think just, I think part of it, the reason I look at those teams is just because they're going to have the money. And I think Lindor could, before all this happened, I think he was looking at maybe 23, 24 million in arbitration. I don't know how many teams are going to want to take that on. I think that was kind of the one issue with Mookie Betts too, is who's going to take on what do you have like 27 million. So while I think a lot of, like, I think the Phillies do make a lot of sense. uh, I think the angels could make some sense even if they want to make a big splash over there, but I don't know about the owners. Uh, I think the Mets with that new owner, I mean, who Lord knows how much money they could spend if he's approved before the season starts. So yeah, I think those are the three big money teams that I think could make some noise. I would, I don't think I could think of a team I'd hate to see him go to more than Yankees, but I think if you, if they presented an offer good enough which i know we might disagree on if they have enough to do it some of their guys are we like more than others i'm not thrilled with what they could offer i know but i still think that they could be one of the few that could actually make a play for them yeah the, you know the reason i one of the teams i threw out the marlins uh one of the things that i find interesting with them is that between dickerson and Marte, those two guys are 70 percent of their payroll going into next year um i i wonder if they are looking for a face and they are one of those teams where I, I, they could clearly absorb because they have four guys who are not, are, you know, who are under contract uh, for next year. So I'll be, uh, and like I said, I just wonder about the face of the franchise and having the shortstop there. But I agree, you know, the Yankees are always, uh, the Yankees, that's their superpower is they have money and they can make up for every weakness. It, it'd be nice to be, you know, with the Indians outfield, imagine, I mean, Mike Talkman would have started every game in the postseason for the Indians. And I had a, an odd one come up on my Twitter. Someone brought up the Seattle Mariners. I don't know about that, but uh, that would be interesting. About, I actually think that they might almost make more sense for like somebody like hand, which it doesn't make any sense to me, but I just feel like their GM is just going to be like, you know, I bet I could flip him. And, and, but to me, you, you don't get Lindor to try to flip him and, make a chance and that's just too much money and too many prospects I think and I know I've thrown this out online I think I actually said it to you directly is about maybe you try to package hand and Lindor I mean that's a lot of money it's like 30 some million dollars you're packaging together but uh, there's teams out there that everybody needs relievers and if you want Lindor maybe you package that together and just go for this mega deal 
That's uh, that's for the Mets. That's you know, you and I both love that Mets team. Uh, they had issues with the relievers to begin with, and then trying to update their uh, their free agents to be in twenty twenty one. I believe it's a yeah, you know, Batances has a player option, and multiple other relievers have uh, player options on that team. Uh, I was trying to pull up the really quick Justin Wilson. That was it who was arguably their top reliever all year is going to hit free agency as well. And they were already weak pitching wise. So yeah, I keep looking at that Mets team and being like, they need a reliever. You could trade them a shortstop, get back a, uh, an infielder, maybe get back a new first baseman or an outfielder. Uh, yeah. The Mets are the, the dream uh, right now for me. Uh, I think that is the perfect, if you had talked about that online, maybe you could do both. I think they are probably your ideal case for that. And then, you know, if you're going to do both, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that the Yankees would acquire both. Uh, I think there's ways they could make that money work. And again, I agree with you. I don't necessarily love what's there uh, in terms of player evaluation, but I will say I've, I've come back a little bit from some of my Clint Frazier negativity now that he's finally starting to, Big thing for me was when he was in the minors, his walk rate, when that increased is when his uh, ability went up, uh, his ceiling, and we hadn't seen the walk rate be high until this season. So I don't know. Again, small sample size. Uh, I talk about on this podcast all the time. But, yeah, the Yankees are a team. They don't have a ton of options in-house. And then just knowing the Indians themselves, I've very much come to the conclusion of like, okay, I have to accept the fact that this is a team that's going to look for like low ceiling and trades. Uh, they might draft for high ceiling, but they seem to go for safe bets and trades. So who are the, the safe bet prospects? Um, I know a lot of Atlanta fans have asked me, but people I talk to with Atlanta are like steadfast that there's no way they're going to add salary at this point and that they would not trade for him. So it's, I've also tried to look to see if I could find a team that has somebody that's like in that 10 to $15 million salary range that you could maybe move and that could absorb some of the extra Lindor salary. So you're that, that new team's only taking on maybe $10 million versus 20 plus million, but it's, it's just hard with so much unknown heading in this year. Who's willing to move salary. Who's not. And, the Braves are kind of perfect with Ender in that role as the, the guy that if maybe you're lucky, the Indians, he, uh, in their NCR day bounces back, but he has that. Uh, yeah, it's when I looked at the Marlins, I was like, well, I assume the Indians would want to get Miguel Rojas back. That's five million off, uh, which is, you know, it's if you get rid of Miguel Rojas, there's a legitimate chance that if you look at just the Marlins players, that Lindor will make more in arbitration than the uh, the players currently guaranteed money with uh, the Marlins. I if guess. you look at who the Indians have as guaranteed money, I think Lindor might make more. I think the only two guys with guaranteed. Oh yeah, they have like it's, not, it's, nothing. It's Ramirez and Carrasco. That's it. That's twenty three million, I think, between I those believe, two. Yeah, I think that's. So, no, now we you're assume right. the Perez options getting picked up, but if you're not looking at the option guys, I think it's only twenty three million. You know, we forgot. To, I forgot to ask you about Domingo Santana's option. I, uh, <laughs> I actually had that written down here, but I was <laughs> I wasn't gonna like worry about it. So. Hey, right, it slipped my mind as I was uh, skipping around and going back there. It's uh, it's kind of crazy too. Like you talk about Carrasco and the twelve million dollars, totally worth it. Uh, I don't have any issues with him in that playoff start with uh, the rain and everything else that went on, and the year he had. But until they reworked his contract, he was never going to make uh, eight 
eight figures, right? Do I have that right? He was always going to be under 10 million or less. So I don't begrudge uh, if Carlos correct. I'm going to be almost sad if Carlos Carrasco at 12 million is the highest paid Indian. It's, uh, it, it, I can't, I, I understand the I, thought process. You know, the big elephant can, here is I thrown this out online and I know some people tell me I'm nuts. He becomes a 10-5 guy, I think around May 1st of next year. And I'm like, if somebody were to offer something for him, I don't think the odds are zero that he couldn't be moved. I, I would be extremely shocked that if he wasn't there, but with how the Indians have been developing pitching, they might look at it as, well, you know, not that I think that he would screw the Indians and refuse any trade, but if there's ever a time that they might consider it, I think this winner could be it. And I would, if they traded him cut or uh and decline Santana and traded Lindor. It's like their payroll could be under 50 million. So I would hope they wouldn't do that. I think that's extreme, but I don't think the odds are zero and maybe I'm just being too negative there, but. I, uh, I don't disagree with you. That's a sad thing. It's, you know, I, I was, I was very much uh, would have been viewed as like a Dolan supporter for the longest time. And I don't, I don't think he's necessarily a terrible owner. I don't want to come out that way. I think, you know, uh, Cleveland has had terrible owners and that's not Dolan. But ever since the loss of John Sherman as a minority owner, like that has been the killer of this franchise, like losing that extra share of money, losing all of that, uh, having someone else who helped foot some of the bills and not to mention having to pay out of pocket to buy that part of the team back. You know, when this team had is, I mean, this has been its peak years and we've seen them cut payroll every year and after this season, I mean, is there any doubt that they're going to cut it again? Yeah, I, say, I think right now I posted if they picked up all the options and everybody came back, it's at like $99 million. And they're not going to pick up every option. Obviously, Santana, as we talked about, is not. So it's, I think, best case you're looking at maybe $85 million, which I think they were at 92 before, obviously, everything got thrown into whack or around 90. So, I mean, it's – it, I'd say I'd be shocked if it wasn't lower and it's probably going to be much lower. I might, I've seen some people talk. I mean, you lose hand, you're down to like 73 million and then Lindor alone. Now you're down to 50 million. Now I would assume if they got rid of all those three, they'd add some guys back, but we could be looking at these 60, $70 million payrolls again, at least for 2021, which if you look at it on paper, they could field a, a team that I think could be capable of winning the central at that amount of money, but it's still depressing to see knowing that, like you said, I mean, I think the Sherman loss is huge. Like I've posted, there's been talks that he owned 30% of the team at one point, And that's basically what it went down before this year. They cut 30% of the payroll like the previous year. So it's, it is what it is. Like I'm a Dolan's quote supporter too, I guess. And I think some of that is he just gets so much hate that I feel like I have to, because like you said, he's not a bad owner. I mean, there's been plenty of bad owners in Cleveland he's just, I think they're one of the poorer owners and it's just a fact of life. We can say whether they lose money or not. And everybody's going to argue that. I mean, you just look at it. I mean, it's the TV contracts, not good. They draw the, the ratings are great. We hear that all the time, but that doesn't help the current TV contract, the uh, STO contract. It's one of the worst in baseball. They don't draw. There was obviously no fans. It's just, it's not a, an ideal situation right now, financially. I know last season um, I did the math. And I sat there and I took the average cost per ticket uh, for the Braves and the Indians. And I did this because, you know, the Braves are the only publicly owned team 
uh, or you know business owned, so they have to share all that information. And if you took the difference in TV contracts and the difference in uh, how much revenue per game, because the Indians actually had, were they higher? Might have had higher overall average cost per ticket than the Braves. The Braves drew better. And it was almost identical, maybe a million off the difference between those two teams' payrolls was uh, TV contract and the, uh, the difference in just average ticket price. I don't have, you know, obviously the, that there. And you bring up that TV contract. That's, uh, that's such a killer. You know, they had their own network. They did get a nice lump sum from Fox Sports, which often doesn't get added in. Like when I did my math, I didn't add that into the yearly average because they got like 40 million plus the yearly thing uh but that contract is what it's one of the bottom i think it's bottom eight or so it's it's it might even be lower than that yeah some of the newer ones so yeah it, i mean even the rays have a better tv contract and we know how what their payroll is at and it's yeah. just like it's it's not pretty that's one of those anchors well you know we're nearing the end here so before we go i don't know if you've had a chance um to dig into potential free agents. Now the Indians often don't get into free agency, but who are the guys who, you know, I, I brought up, I'm going to butcher his name because as people listen to the show know, you know, I brought up Mark Kaneha. Neither of us know if he is a free agent or not. Sports track says yes. Everyone else says no. So uh, as much as I want him to be a free agent, I don't think he actually is. But uh, two names I've also brought up recently were Robbie Grossman and like Tommy Listella. Like those guys might be, more in the range have you had a chance to look at all are you like me where you just threw yourself into 2021 because you were so depressed about the postseason uh, do you have any targets not, in place i haven't dug too much into it robbie grossman is a guy that i've wanted i think that every time he's available i want him everybody tells me i'm nuts i'm like i, I know he's not a star but i mean this guy would start in the Indians outfield i think Without every year so, yeah it's just it's like and that's why it's there's just it like last winter i wanted guys like dickerson and I mean, Matt Joyce is going to be a free agent again. Everybody jumps down my throat for him. It's like, I'm not looking for a star here, but I mean, this year, I think he had a 96 WRC plus Matt Joyce. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. that would have been the fourth best on the Indians. And he still has a decent on base percentage. It's like, you just need some kind of vet. Like he was uh, somebody like Hernandez. Yeah. He's with the Marlins. He played on a playoff team. Yeah. And he started, I mean, uh, I said the entire Marlins starting outfield is better than anybody that was on the Indians outfield in the playoffs, which is just almost embarrassing. I mean, they had Dickerson, they had Marte and they had Joyce was their starting outfield. And it's just like all those guys, the Indians could have had in the last 12 months. And none of them cost. I mean, I think Dickerson's making what a million more than Hernandez made this year. Uh, so obviously he wasn't uh, Marte obviously was trade, but I don't think the Indians couldn't have beat that offer if they really tried that. Supposedly they were in on them. Um, it, I think one of the reasons I haven't looked too much at free agency is I'm kind of just worried that the Indians are going to do what they did this year. And it's just going to be a waste. They're not going to be too hard into it. They might look at trades. I mean, depending who they get, they could get a major leaguer back for Lindor and say, Hey, we're done. Uh, I mean, I think Santana will end up a free agent. And I think that's one guy that they could look to bring back, but I haven't really dug in much. I really wonder, I mean, when you look at the infield, you got, are they going to give Nolan Jones, like some of these prospects, are they going to give these guys shots? Uh, they got 900 outfielders. None of them are good, but are they going to give some of them a shot? But yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't dug too much. I think both those names that you mentioned though, Lestella and uh, uh, Grossman and Grossman are two that I would look at also. Uh, I would look at maybe bringing back Hernandez too. 
I, I know he had a really a pretty good year. I don't think he's going to get more than what he got, really. I think, like, the market's going to be suppressed. Uh, his bat still was close to league average. I think he was, like, a 106 WR, or WRC+. plus. It, so maybe he gets a little more. I don't, I don't see him as a $10 million guy, so maybe he fits again. But, yeah, I haven't started looking too much. I mean, we'll see how many of these options get declined, too. I wonder if we see more options decline than normal if teams are worried about money. So maybe we'll get some extra guys we weren't expecting but uh yeah was, I, I don't know if we'll see him that active again but it was yeah, such if, a, I'm on, if you have me on again in a month I'm sure I'll have a lot more people we can look yeah, at it, but you know it's such an odd season it's you know I was curious so I went and I looked at like the sports track free agent list and it's like I uh, you know I was openly mocking the idea of acquiring Jackie Bradley Jr. And now I wish they had you know he's he actually ended up with a higher war than George, uh, George Springer what I think is interesting though more than anything else is like looking at this list right now, we talk about Brad Hand, uh, Jeremy Jeffries had the third best war of any potential free agent. Uh, Dallas, who I'm, Toronto will pick up his option, fourth best. Uh, Hendricks, fifth. Rosenthal, sixth. Uh, Kinsler, Miami will pick up his option. That's 10. Colome, 11. Daniel Bard back from the dead, 12. Uh, Bass, uh, 13 hand 14 it's it's actually weirdly a market where it's just relievers galore I mean Oliver Perez had a better war than probably anyone expected it's uh I I just staring at the list now it kind of uh surprised me uh just how many relievers were decent because of how small the sample size was and they didn't get a chance to blow up Is there, uh, you know, I guess with final thoughts, heading into uh, 2021, what are you looking forward to seeing? Is it Nolan Jones? Is it going to be uh, another prospect? Is there a name? Who's the player uh, you want to see? Yeah, for players? me, it's Daniel Johnson. I'm still uh, – the biggest disappointment, other than obviously losing, is that we didn't see more Daniel Johnson in the outfield. I think it's borderline criminal. I mean, I know he had a couple – played appearances and they weren't very good and everybody kept pointing to that. It's like, okay, he had a handful, but to me, I still think uh, other than maybe now that Naylor is here and he's in the outfield, I was like, I said last year, I think he'd be the best outfielder we have on the team this time next year, because I mean, not that I'm that high on him. I don't want to make it sound like a superstar, but I just don't think they had another outfielder. I'm not a Mercado fan as people know, or a big Mercado fan. I think Zimmer's, I mean, I'm sure you're with me on Zimmer's strikeout rate. There's just nothing there. It's like Daniel Johnson isn't perfect. He might, maybe he's only a platoon guy, but you have Lupla. I mean, that seemed like it would have been a perfect platoon to at least try in left field. Uh, I mean, I think worst case he could be like a Naquin. It's, it's, he does a little bit of everything. And when you have nothing, I don't know why they didn't give him more of a shot. I really hope they do next year. They obviously added him to the 40 man last winter to protect them so they got to have some there so to me not seeing him this year was such a disappointment and I really really hope we see him next year and I hope we see him early yeah I agree I, I didn't understand why he got buried and sent away when I mean they had nothing and you know Mercado my general take on him is great defense but he is so streaky and those streaky bats scare me and because what we saw you can spend four months not doing anything and that's that's what he did this year so I don't know it's that whole outfield it's uh 
uh, it's so unsettled and it makes me unsettled to even think about it. I think that's why I talk so much about free agents or trades. I just want them to add something. So there's one thing we're sure about out there, but uh, I guess that's what happens when you're an Indians fan. It is a lot of hoping, praying, wishing, and uh, looking forward to the next random find because uh, this whole team, it's like outside of Lindor, I don't think anyone else uh, was a huge prospect on this entire team when you look at the core of it. Uh, it's a lot of guys who were never viewed highly. I mean, Aaron Savali, I was like, oh, he's just a reliever before he turned into what he did in the majors or Plesak and the whole group. So uh, for as much as I enjoy the Indians, I'm like, okay, so uh, look through the prospect list, look at someone in the 15 to 30 range right now, and that's going to be the Indians cleanup hitter in two years. Or whichever pitcher they trade, San Diego. <laughs> yeah, who's uh, what's the next San Diego? That's the one thing. Can we say Lindor to San Diego? No, because San Diego isn't going to want to mess with Tatis. Can we just agree? That's, yeah, if he if his D, I actually joked about that with a buddy. If his if Tatis's defense didn't jump up this year, I think it, you could have seen that. But with those the metrics liking his defense, I think he's he's definitely at shortstop and i think that one's probably sailed <laughs> yeah so that 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 is that's gone no more san diego trade for that maybe they want you know their pen they're losing rosenthal they might want and kirby yates too i think i think both those guys are free agents so maybe they that's trade and i think so free, he started today i think he might be a free agent too so yeah, yeah. they could lose several guys <laughs> so maybe they trade back brad hand the funny thing is uh i don't think you could flip that trade i don't think mejia for hand works anymore so i think the indians well, if they get... take simber maybe that makes it even okay. yeah <laughs> let's just do a complete flip back uh i want a different prospect though in return yeah. but uh again i want to thank you for coming on the show uh it's fun to talk it was fun to have you on and have another perspective you and i uh obviously you're intelligent because we agree a lot you know that's <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> the way i take it but uh, I want to remind everyone to go check out Highovers, everyone. You can follow Matt on there, uh, see articles, and he's going to have a ton as this uh, offseason rolls off. It's going to be a weird offseason, so you're going to want to go to Ohio. Remember, it's VS, reverse everyone, and uh, see what happens, because this is not going to be a normal offseason. There's going to be so much weirdness and hopefully things that occur with the Indians. Um, before you go, uh, remind them where to find you on Twitter again. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt. B underscore W O F. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB draft. I want to thank everyone who's listening, rating and reviewing, checking out the podcast. All that is so great and so helpful. Thank you again. And as always go tribe. <laughs>